This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 28, The Man Who Survived Two Atomic Bombs. Hello, everyone. It's time for another Incredible Stories podcast. I'm Josh Virla, your resplendent host, and thanks for being here. I could have died on either of those days. Everything that follows is a bonus. Those were the words of Tusutomu Yamaguchi, a man remarkable in history, surviving not one but two atomic bomb blasts. Today, nuclear power can be used as a weapon or for power. But it began as a weapon. In 1945, the first atom bomb developed by the fabled Manhattan Project was tested successfully on July 16th. And a few months after that, the first and only atomic bombs used in combat were used against the Japanese in World War II. The bombs obliterated two cities and many thousands of people died in a blink. Now, there were a few hundred thousand survivors of the bombs, but only one person officially recognized to survive both of the bombs in Hiroshima and in Nagasaki. The man named Tesetumu Yamagachi was either one of the luckiest people ever, or was the real-life Wolverine. Here's what I know. Mr. Yamagachi was born in 1916 in Nagasaki, Japan. I assume he had a typical childhood of any Japanese boy at the time, but we aren't so much concerned with that part of his story. Let's start with the Japanese city of Nagasaki. Today, Nagasaki has a population of about 1.4 million people, but in 1945 it had a population of about 260,000, and Yamaguchi lived and worked here. He was employed by the Mitsubishi Heavy Industries Company as a draftsman who designed oil tankers, and his work had him travel for business. On August 6, 1945, he was in the city of Hiroshima, which today has a population of 3 million, but in 1945 it had a population of about 340 to 350,000 people. Incidentally, in 1945 the population was higher but the Japanese government had been slowly evacuating people from the city due to the war. Why? Well, it was a significant military and industrial city for Japan during the war, so it was an obvious target. But Yamagachi, being in Hiroshima for work, had just completed design for a 5,000-ton tanker, and he and two colleagues, Akira Iwanaga and Kinoyoshi Sato, were getting ready to leave the city as their work was now complete. On his way to the station, he remembered he forgot his travel pass, so he went back to his office to get it. He found his pass and then headed back out to leave the city. As he walked around 8.15 a.m., he looked up and saw a plane. But not just any plane. The plane he was gazing upon was none other than the famed USB-29 Super Fortress bomber, the Enola Gay. Let's take a little side trip and learn about the historic aircraft because I'm sure we all know the name, but you might not be aware of some of its details. Zane Skipson here with the World War II Incredible Newsreel. This week, we feature the Nova Gay, 
A real ducky shinkracker in the air. Yes, sir. The pride of the U.S. Armed Forces responsible for helping bringing the war to an end by delivering two knuckle sandwiches to Japan, courtesy of Uncle Sam. By knuckle sandwich, you mean the atomic bomb's little boy and fat man, right? Holy mackerel! You're not supposed to be here! Go on, scram! You could put the slang in the show notes. My bad. As I was saying, the Nola Gay, piloted by Mr. America himself, Colonel Paul Tibbets, named the swell aircraft after his mother, Enola Gay Tibbets. Now that's classy. And 99 feet long, with a 141-foot wingspan, the Nola Gay became one of the most famous aircraft in the world, soon after dropping of the bombs. It eventually made its last flight in 1952, when it landed at Andrews Air Force Base to be put into outdoor storage as part of the Smithsonian's collection. But the men upstairs thought it was nuts to have the plane unprotected, so it was moved indoors and restored from 1984 to 1995. And finally, it made its home at the Stephen F. Udvar Hazy Center in 2003. If you get a chance to take a gander at this dreamboat of a plane, do it! Until next time, I'm Zane Skipson, 23 Skidoo! So, as Yamaguchi watched the Enola Gay fly overhead, he noticed it dropped something. A silver gleam made its way toward Earth, and Yamaguchi did what most of us would do. Dive to the ground and cover your eyes and ears. But I guess it worked to some extent. He was tossed into the air and thrown into the ground where he lost consciousness. And he's lucky because of course the bomb that was dropped was the first nuclear weapon used in combat. The bomb known as Little Boy exploded only 1.8 miles from where he was, or about 3 kilometers. And this bomb was devastating. Let me give you some perspective. This bomb had a blast yield equivalent to 15 kilotons of TNT. And a kiloton is equal to 1,000 metric tons of TNT. Let me give you an idea of this power. So let's take something most people are familiar with, a tree for instance. And let's pick a common tree. How about a pine tree? Most of us have seen those. So let's say a 100 foot pine tree has a trunk diameter of about 2 feet. Well, you'd need 2.3 pounds of TNT to take the tree down. So doing some mathematics using the formula of P equals D squared divided by 250, which is the formula for needed TNT to cut down a tree where P equals pounds of TNT and D is the diameter of the tree in inches squared, then the nuclear bomb Little Boy would be able to fell a tree with a diameter of about 228 feet, which extrapolating the pine tree size would put it at about 1,140 feet tall, for some comparison, the Empire State Building is 1,250 feet tall. And the famous General Sherman Giant Sequoia has a diameter of about 60 feet. So that's a lot of power just from one blast alone. So I hope I got my math right. I'm not a mathematician, but anybody out there is free to double check me. Okay, back to Yamaguchi. As I said, he was only 3 kilometers from ground zero, and when he saw the bomb go off, it released a bright light which he described as appearing like a huge magnesium flare. The boom rang out just as he dove into a ditch, 
The shockwave ripped him from his location, flying him through the air, landing him in a potato patch where he was knocked unconscious. When he woke, he was burned, dazed, and confused. Both eardrums had been ruptured. He was trying to comprehend what had just happened. And what had just happened was about 80,000 people had just been obliterated in an instant. Yamaguchi didn't know what to do. The city was dark despite it still being early morning. Black ash clouded the skies, but he managed to walk back to the Mitsubishi office where he had left earlier. But it was gone. Nothing but debris and rubble. And this was the sight across the whole city. Buildings destroyed. Now he wasn't the only survivor, there were many, but he did manage to find his two co-workers, Mr. Amanaga and Mr. Sato, who also survived the initial blast. They would spend the night along with many others huddled in an air raid shelter. The next day, August 7th, they heard the train station was still working, so they made their way there, and it was now they could see the horrific scene left behind by the bomb. Fires, destroyed buildings, melted and burned corpses all over the place. In fact, to make it to the train station, Yamaguchi had to swim across a river because all the bridges were gone now, and in this river were dead bodies floating all around him. When he made it to the train station, he joined other survivors, burned and disillusioned. His destination, of course, was to get back home to Nagasaki. The 180-mile train ride would take many hours, and Yamaguchi arrived in Nagasaki in the early morning of August 8th, where his wife and infant son were waiting. Once home, he hobbled his way to the hospital and was treated by a doctor. The doctor, incidentally, was a former classmate of his, but due to the severity of the burns on his face and arms, his doctor friend didn't recognize him, and neither did the rest of his family. In fact, his mother thought he was a ghost. That's how horrific his injuries were. Now check this out. This guy, Yamaguchi, gets up on August 9th and what does he do? He goes into work. Meanwhile, I'm calling in sick if I stub my toe in the morning. Yamaguchi, I applaud you and I hope you got employee of the life for this because that is dedication. So he goes into the Mitsubishi office in Nagasaki and of course he has a meeting and the director wanted to know what happened in Hiroshima. Remember they didn't have the internet and stuff so news didn't travel quite as quickly. So his boss demanded to know and Yamaguchi told him. He accounted the destruction, the sights and sounds of an atomic bomb going off, he showed him his burns. But his boss thought he was crazy. You see, he simply didn't believe that one bomb could level an entire city. This was, after all, unprecedented. An unheard of amount of power. It would be kind of like if someone came to your office back from a business trip and set a bomb drop that opened up a black hole and sucked everyone into it. You wouldn't believe it because that's crazy sci-fi technology. Now to give you some idea, a little perspective, the largest bomb of World War II dropped to this point was a bomb called the Grand Slam, aka an earthquake bomb, and it had a blast yield equivalent of only 6.5 tons of TNT compared to the 15 kiloton of Little Boy. That's huge. So while Yamagachi is at his office trying to explain the amazing force of what happened in Hiroshima, 
he saw a bright white flash outside the window and an explosion. The shockwave blew out windows, glass and rubble filled the room, everyone was sent flying again. The second atomic bomb used in war had just been dropped on Nagasaki. This one was named Fat Man, a bomb more powerful with a blast yield equivalent of 21 kilotons of TNT. I'm not going to do the math again, but this one was obviously more powerful. But interestingly, less people died instantly here with only 70,000 people dying from the initial bombing. Why? Well, Nagasaki is more hilly than Hiroshima, so that probably helped to insulate some of the effects. Also, Nagasaki didn't receive the same amount of fire damage as Hiroshima because Nagasaki had more waterways breaking up the fires. But don't get me wrong, the city was still decimated. So, Yamaguchi was within two miles of this blast as well. His bandages were blown off him, but he was surprisingly unhurt. Well, unhurt if you don't count the massive dose of radiation that he got. But whatever, Yamaguchi is the goddamn Wolverine. Radioactive blast? Psh, no biggie. He was okay, but naturally, he was worried about his wife and son. So, thankfully, his boss let him take a half day at this point. He searched for his wife at home, or what was left of his house. It was mostly rubble. But by the hammer of Thor, his wife had been out looking for burn ointments for him when the bomb went off, so she was further away and presumably in a better protected area. And both she and her son only had minor injuries. But what people didn't know about the atomic bombs at the time, was the radiation they were all exposed to. Here's where a lot more people from both cities died. An additional 112,020 people died in Hiroshima from the radiation poisoning alone, bringing the total death toll there to about 192,000 people. Now, Nagasaki fared a little better from the radiation due to the hills. Maybe another 70,000 people died from radiation, but I couldn't really find an accurate number of deaths from radiation in Nagasaki. And you'll find this when you look for yourself. It's really a hard number to estimate because the effects linger and it's hard to gauge the cause of death as you get further on in years from the blast. In Japan though, they have a word called hibakusha, which means those who were bombed. And these are the survivors of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombings. And as of August 2016, the memorial records have more than 475,000 names on their list of known Hibakushas who have died, which means today there are about 190,000 survivors. That's more than 70 years after the two bombings. So what happened to Yamaguchi? Well, he and his wife would go on to have two more children, both girls. When he was younger, he had been against Japan's involvement in the war from the start. But later in life, he would speak out more vocally about nuclear disarmament. And in 2006, he spoke before the United Nations on this very subject. He was, after all, uniquely qualified, having been the only person to survive both atomic bombs. Well, the only person officially recognized by the Japanese government to have done so. The truth is there were probably as many as 165 people who lived through both bombings. And two others were, incidentally, his co-workers, Iwanaga and Sato. 
but only Yamaguchi received the distinction of being a Nijiyu Hibakusha, which means a twice-bombed person, and he received this distinction in 2009. He died in 2010 of stomach cancer in Nagasaki at the ripe old age of 93. His wife, who had survived one bomb, died in 2008 of liver and kidney cancer at the age of 88. The bombings may or may not have been the cause of both of their deaths, you know, the radiation and cancer. But as their advanced age, it could have just as easily been the natural course of things. It's hard to determine. And I believe two of his children are still alive, uh, his two girls. But his young son, who also survived the blast, lived to the age of 59 before dying of cancer in 2005. And that's the story of the man who survived two atomic bombs. And now you know what I know. This was an incredible tale of fate, destiny or luck. Take your pick. Although instead of luck, you could just as easily say unlucky as well. The story of surviving one atomic bomb would be miraculous for sure, but surviving two truly puts you on the level of protected by the gods. However, interestingly, Yamaguchi's incredible story could have just ended with the Hiroshima bombing because Nagasaki, you see, wasn't the intended second bomb site. Originally, the city of Kakura was intended to be hit by the Fat Man bomb. But due to bad weather, the backup city of Nagasaki was designated for the strike. I guess it's funny how fate steers things. Also, keep in mind, this was something never seen before in the world, so it's not like there was a survive the fallout handbook or anything. But don't think for a minute it was easy sailing for Yamaguchi after the initial surviving of the bombs. He lived for many years in great pain, and according to his daughter, Toshiko, he had to have bandages wrapped around his wounds until she was at the age of 12. But why was only Yamaguchi given the distinction of being a survivor of both bombings? Well, perhaps several factors play into this. One of course being able to verify the story, which could be hard to do, but in the case of businessmen it was somewhat easier. But perhaps more so a factor is the Japanese culture of tending to not want to draw attention to oneself. I mean, who wants to brag about surviving two horrific events, right? But as he got older, Yamaguchi began to think of himself as a survivor destined to share his story. Not to brag or stand out, but to share with the upcoming generations the horrors of atomic power harnessed for weapons. For this reason, he applied for the double recognition from the government in 2009, a year before he died. And I'm glad he did, for modesty shouldn't be a barrier to truth in history. But now for something with no modest barrier, and that is of course, the haiku. Adams killed cities unleashed bombs upon him twice. He survived it all. And that's all for this time, guys. Check out our main site for other incredible stories on IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Send me an email or haiku at contact at IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com or go to the website and fill out the form. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod. Rate us on iTunes and peep us out on YouTube and Stitcher. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh, and remember, 
The journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word. Spring. 